the title for my message this morning is The Reward of Obedience. The Reward of Obedience. And if you don't like my message this morning, then you can wait for the second service and maybe you'll like that truth teller. Amen? <laughs> I've said before, my gift works differently than some. Uh, sometimes it's more like a, a hammer than anything. Uh, but we'll see what we can do about that today. The reward of obedience. Uh, this subject is very near and dear to my heart. And there's much, much to say on the subject. But before we get into this, I want us to know what the purpose of the command is. Uh, Paul tells Timothy the purpose of the command. It's a, it's a big scripture. There are some scriptures that are like hubs or foundational scriptures on which there's a lot of ground covered. And uh, when Paul tells Timothy the purpose of the command, it's one of those foundational scriptures that if you get this, then you have like a treasure trove of truth, and you'll be able to cover many, many. You'll have a wealth of, of knowledge and wisdom if you get this scripture. He says the purpose of the command is love from a pure heart. That's big in the scriptures because what he's saying is the reason why God has said all that he has said is for this reason, love from a pure heart. That's big to me. That everything God has said, he said it for one reason, love from a pure heart. And we know that love has a name. Amen? And his name is Jesus. Jesus is love. The scripture shows us God is love. Jesus is God. Jesus is the express image of his father. His father is love. He is love. It's big. And what we find in the scriptures is that the reward of obedience is the reward of love. The reward of obedience is the reward of love. Whenever we went over to Ghana uh, a few months ago, pastor had uh, said that his title for the message he was going to be preaching in a little bit, I, I don't know if Pastor Bird or I asked him, but he said the title was uh, The Reward of Love. And I thought, uh-oh, the title for my message is The Reward of Obedience. People are going to think we've been talking or something. And then as he started preaching in that morning session, I thought, uh-oh, we're using the same scriptures. But we find something very profound in that the reward of obedience is the reward of love. Because obedience is not something the believer has to work up. It's really not something that the believer has to work up. Obedience is a byproduct of love. Jesus' love energizes us, compels us. There's something about the new heart that just takes us deeper and deeper and deeper into the will of God. Amen. And that's something about the new heart is that it's indwelt by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and he drives us forward. The Scripture says we were predestined, predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. 
Now that's big when you're talking about the king of kings, when you're talking about one who came full of grace and truth, when you're talking about one who is love. That's big, that God is taking us from our mess and has taken us from our mess and is transitioning us, transforming us, conveying us into all that Jesus is. That's big. So the reward of obedience is becoming like the teacher in character, in nature, and in office. That's huge. Young people especially have to get this. The reward of obedience is becoming like the teacher in character, in nature, and in office. If you have a a wealthy father, the reward for paying attention to dad, the reward for listening to dad is one day you will inherit all that your dad has and you will walk in that office. You will be able to produce as well. If you have a, a, a father or maybe a mother who's particularly gifted in an area, the let's say construction for a dad, the gift or the reward for paying attention to dad is being able to work on the house, is being able to take care of business. Now, the reward of paying attention to Jesus is becoming like Jesus, listening to Jesus. God, his desire, his vision is to fill the entire universe, all that is seen, and all that is unseen with his son. And he's going to have his vision. He's going to have his goal. He's going to have his desire. And we should really know what that entails, what the universe being filled with the son entails. What that says to us is that God wants to manifest his son to us, in us, through us and around us. He not only wants to fill us with his son, but he wants to bring us into an environment, an atmosphere that is totally God, that is totally Jesus. And we haven't experienced anything like that yet. We have never experienced something so amazing, so profound, so powerful. We've gotten tastes of it. And this isn't to take away from the tastes that we've had, the 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 great glimpses we've had of this thing in times of worship, in times in the house when the Lord just really shows up. But one day we will be in an atmosphere that is just totally God. There's no friction, no, no hostility, just God through and through in every single believer. And that day we will receive spiritual bodies, spiritual bodies when the Lord returns. That's huge. Because what that says to us is that there will be no friction within. The scripture tells us the, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Now, the flesh has been left inoperable to the believer. But there's still some friction there. And depending on how much room we give it, there can be a lot of friction there. So what I'm saying today is let's not allow there to be more friction than there needs to be by saying yes to Jesus 
and obeying Jesus. Because when we get in with Jesus, what we find is that we walk in this thing very powerfully and he changes our perspective. When you get up in the morning, as you're driving to work, as you're going about your day, you see the kingdom everywhere. You see Jesus in everything. You see Jesus in everything. You see where we are at this juncture and you see where we are going. And it's powerful. It doesn't matter what obstacle is there. You see the kingdom. It doesn't matter what has brought itself up against you that day. You see Jesus in it. And it's amazing. Uh, we show sometimes this, this DVD series called Superbook, I think, in the uh, kids' church. And there's a, I put on uh, David and Goliath one day for the kiddos back there one Wednesday night. Uh, Jadita was about to minister, and she had asked me, hey, can you uh, go back there? I don't think uh, we'll be able to get the system going. I don't know if they know how to do it. Sure, I'll, I'll go back there. So I picked out David and Goliath, put it on, and I really like David because he, he, he shows the Lord uh, his heart very clearly. And so I stayed back there for just a few minutes. thought, there's still a little bit of time. We've still got offering before the word comes. I want to watch for just a little bit. So in the opening scene, what happens is uh, David is counting up his sheep and he realizes one's missing and he goes after that sheep. When he finds the sheep, lo and behold, here comes a lion walking up. So David postures himself next to the sheep. He turns around and he says to the sheep, be brave. David in the uh, the book is like 13 or so. This little 13-year-old boy is saying, be brave. And then what he says is, if it is going to get to you, it has to go through me. And such is life for the believer. If anything is going to come knocking on our door, it has to go through our king first. And we know this that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And when the trial comes, the trial comes for you to walk in victory because he always leads us in triumph. It doesn't matter what we feel like. It doesn't even matter if we experience some supposed defeat because we may be pressed, but we will never be crushed because the spirit of the Lord upholds us. The pressure on the inside, as Pastor has said, is far greater than the pressure on the outside. So it doesn't matter what comes against us, he will continue to lead us in triumph. That's the reward of obedience. That's the inheritance of the saints. Now, as we, we talk a bit about obedience, we'll have to take a look at John 14. Jesus says, Everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Now, sometimes believers get a little bit uncomfortable when you talk about obedience, when you talk about uh, commandments, because we go, well, I was saved by grace. We were saved by grace. And we're also kept by the power of God, kept by grace. There's no change of direction when you talk about obedience. There's no change of direction. But we need to understand grace. We must understand grace. 
the Apostle Paul says that we have received we have received grace for obedience to the faith. We have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. Not grace to continue on in sin, but for obedience. And John says in 1 John, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Now we may experience some failure here and there. We may fail Sometimes, but we ourselves are not failures because God has guaranteed our success. God has guaranteed our coming through. He's guaranteed it. He's assured us. He cannot deny himself. He says, and the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So then, it's not like grace came and obedience went out the window. No, grace came and obedience was established. We were brought into the realm of not just the possibility of obeying and not even just the the probability of obeying, but the promise the promise of obedience. Because he said, I will write my law on their hearts. I will write my law on their hearts. So that means we have great strength to do what Jesus has called us to do. And I think, if you don't mind me saying, I'll say it anyways. But if you don't mind me saying, I think many believers miss it. You can tell by our living if we get it or if we're missing it. You can tell. You can tell. I uh, once sat down for lunch with uh, a young man, and uh, he I, I just wanted to fellowship with him, just wanted to spend some time with him, asked him, hey, do you want to go to lunch? And so we sat down, and he said so nervously, what do you want to meet about? Oh, I just wanted to fellowship, just wanted to spend some time with you. So, oh, I thought God had maybe told you some things. <laughs> I didn't tell him this, but I thought I didn't need God to tell me anything in a sense. You know, I didn't need some audible voice. I mean, I didn't, I, I mean, you could just tell what's going on behind closed doors based on what you see outside the doors. So, I find it amazing that we have such a reward of obedience. We're going we're to talk some more about this, this reward. But I find it so amazing that there's such a reward for obedience, and yet there aren't many believers who are zealous. Because I think if we knew the reward, we'd be zealous for the thing. Paul says it's good to be zealous for a good thing always. For a good thing always. Not just in the macro, but also the micro. Not just when God says, I need you to preach. But when he says, hey, son, you're missing it here. Hey, son, why don't you hop in that word? You know, believers, we can talk and boast and boast. I'll give my life for Jesus. But are we living for Jesus? 
Are we living for Jesus? Are we living for him? Now this, talk about the reward a bit more. The reward that Jesus has assured, has guaranteed to all those who obey. And this is a little bit of a, a fearful statement. But the kingdom will be full of those who obey. And only full of those who obey. It's a little bit of a school zone. A little bit of a school zone. But not when we understand the heart of God. He's brought us into the realm of obedience. He's brought us into the realm of obedience. Where obedience is is possible, probable, promised. All we need to do is cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Let's, let's read in John 14 before we go on. He says in John 14, verse 15, I'm just going to jump around. He says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. We know that it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to, to, to please God, to obey God without faith. So then faith, that gift from God, is what drives us forward in obedience. And when we miss it, it's simple. We just say, Jesus, I'm sorry, make me better. We don't need to hide that thing. We don't need to stick it under the carpet. Pastor has said before, our conscience is not ours to dictate what it can and cannot say. That's powerful. So we don't go, no, I don't, no, that, that was fine. That wasn't a big deal. Oh, if the Spirit says it's a problem, it's a problem. If the Spirit says it's a problem, it's a problem. And what he speaks into us, we have enablement to walk in. What he speaks into us, we have enablement to walk in. Great grace, great mercy to walk in that thing. It says, he who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also. So Jesus wants to manifest himself through us. And around us, he goes on to say, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus wants to manifest himself to us. Then he goes on, as Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus goes on and he says, if anyone loves me, He will keep my word. He will guard my word. He will observe and guard my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Y'all don't mind me just saying some stuff, right? I've I've really found, and I I didn't find this through observing others. I, I found this as the Lord shed light, exposed some stuff. I found out, Tim, you don't listen to learn. You really don't. I was listening to uh, a message from Pastor uh, not too long ago. And as I was listening to it, I thought, I was here for this series. How did I miss this? Now, there's, there's a time and a place where we're just growing in this thing. But there's another thing that happens when you're just not listening as you ought to be. When God wants you in college and you're hanging out in elementary, there's also that. So what I was seeing is, mm, Tim. You're hanging out in whatever grade, fifth, fourth grade, 
and the Lord wants you in eighth grade or whatever. So as believers, we must listen to learn. Jesus says, he who loves me will keep my word, guard my word. I've been given such a treasure in the word of God. Because the scriptures convey to us the word of God. The word of God. The, the life isn't in the black and the white. The life is in Christ. The color is in Christ. The enablement is in Christ. So when we go to the scriptures, we're looking for Christ, for Jesus. And there's great enablement when we see Jesus. We're transformed from glory to glory. And we find ourselves walking in the thing. We find ourselves serving. We find ourselves having energy to do what we didn't have energy to do before. We find ourselves loving, showing grace, being kind and sweet. And we know this isn't me. There must be someone on the inside working on the outside. There must be someone on the inside. I find it interesting that Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because when he says that, he's not, in a sense, giving us something to do. We think, okay, then I need to be in the word. Yes, we do need to be in the word. But not because our reading will do something for us, but because the word will do something for us. The word will change us. The word will change us. So I find it interesting that Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, because what he's saying is the word is active in us as believers. It's active, a living organism, shaping us, changing us, making us better. And he says, just get out of the way. He's doing the work in us. He also says in Philippians, let me go there. That works on multiple levels when you're talking about obedience. We're getting there. We're getting to the scripture, but we're also getting there. Maybe I'm not going to find this right now. Okay, someone someone in the congregation help me out. Because I'm not seeing it. He says that it is God who is working in us to will and to do his good pleasure. What's, what's just before that? 2.14? Yes, there it is. Thank you. He says, work out your own salvation, for it is God who wills, who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. Thank you. So what he says is, work out your salvation, because what you're going to find as you're working at this thing is you're not the one doing it. Actually, God in you is the one who gave you the hunger to do it. God in you is the one who's getting the job done. 
God in you, Christ in you. Now there's great liberty, great freedom in that. And knowing that thing doesn't depend on us, doesn't hinge on us, as it were. We've talked about before how, how everything going on hinges on the church. Now we're talking about something else. This thing doesn't hinge on us. Our obedience doesn't hinge on us. It hinges on the work of Jesus Christ. When he said at the cross, it is finished, he meant it's finished. Everything that needed to be done for the believer has been done in the cross, in the resurrection. But the cross, his victorious death guaranteed a victorious resurrection, guaranteed a victorious ascension, guaranteed him sitting down on the throne in victory, where now we are seated in heavenly places in Christ, in victory, in victory. So that means that it doesn't matter what the enemy floods you with, tries to inundate you with, you are a window. I am a window, a door to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and we have to see how big that is. We provide to this world an atmosphere of God's presence, an atmosphere of light, an atmosphere of love, an atmosphere of joy. So what does the world get when they get around you? What does the world get when they get around us? Do they get Jesus or do they get what they're already accustomed to? Because we, as the people of God, are the absolute antithesis to the world. If the world's going in this direction, we are going in this direction. And we don't find that to be the case. So we need to walk in this thing. We need to walk in this thing. I know that the love of God is is manifest in my heart that he has placed all things pertaining to life and godliness in me through Jesus Christ. But I'm asking him, how do I walk in this thing? How do I walk in this thing? We want to know how to walk in all that God has already done for us because this thing is amazing. Now, let me close in just a few moments on this. The scripture shows us Jesus says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And I'm, I'm excited about this, so I'm just going to share it now because it's, it's good. I heard a wife say of her husband, in the fullness of the kingdom, I don't want to be sweeping streets and look up and see my husband ruling and reigning like over cities. I mean, they're streets of gold. That's amazing. So there's reward wherever we are. But I'm saying, when God's offering us the whole barn, the whole, the whole lot, the whole barn, the whole storehouse, why settle for a little? When he's saying, come on. It's my good pleasure to give you my kingdom. It's his good pleasure. He's excited to bless. He's excited to reveal his son in us and through us. But believers are, oh, that's cool. Nice. No, this thing is amazing. God's more excited about it than we are, and we're the recipients of the thing. What's up with that? 
What's wrong with that? We're the recipients of the thing. That's amazing. God says, I'm excited to give you everything, son. Like a king sitting on his throne, waiting for the day that his son inherits it all. So then, if Jesus is coming to reward us according to our work, and the scripture says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, then I wonder. Then I wonder. Because what that says to me, that says to me, I'm not trying to meddle. I'm just, I'm just saying some things. I'm just stating truth. Uh, Mrs. Marva has said before, if the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. If the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. So if I'm making a point, now I, kn- I know the point fits, but I don't know if the correction is for you or for someone else. I don't know. I'm just making the, the statement, and we'll allow the Holy Spirit to work this thing out. But I think and know all of us can do better. I know that. I know that. Because Jesus is far better than we know. He's far better than we know. So when I hear about the Lord rewarding according to our work, I think, why aren't more believers working and working and working? Not in their own strength. We're talking about walking in what God has laid before us. He's prepared works for us to walk in. And we're happy being entertained. We're happy consuming The only reason why some are so content, you know, I'm I'm content, but I'm not satisfied with where I am in the Lord. I'm thankful for where he has me, but every day I say, Jesus, make me better because I'm not satisfied with who I am in you. The only reason why believers are sometimes content is because we haven't seen all that's been left undone by not walking in the plan of God for our lives. I told Vanessa once, I was speaking for myself, we're going to be so embarrassed one day when we start obeying Jesus because we're going to see how much was missed out on and how much obedience is left to go. We're working to the close. We're working to the close. Everyone's good? Is everyone happy? <laughs> I, Paul says to preach the truth in love. So I've asked Vanessa before. I said, am I too hard? She said, you do this to yourself as well. It's just that you see the standard and you want the standard. Not just for yourself, but for others. So we have to preach the truth in love because to not, to not say it all is to leave something out and it's to defraud our brothers and our sisters. Now that doesn't mean we go out and we're rude and obnoxious. But it means we should walk in truth and handle these things well.
Because we all need one another. We need one another. We need one another to be doing well in the Lord. We need one another. Paul talks about in Galatians how he didn't learn, he didn't receive this revelation through anyone else, but he received it from the Lord himself. Interesting thing about that. Paul wasn't saying, you shouldn't be learning from one another because he goes on to teach the Galatians. He wanted them to know where his revelation was coming from. But we need one another. Or else God wouldn't have provided us a corporate body. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And all the more when you see that day approaching. The day is approaching. And I think this house shouldn't fail to have volunteers. It shouldn't fail to have people serving left and right. I know we have many servants in this house. It's astounding. It blesses me. Jesus says to his disciples, he says to his disciples after washing their feet, he says, you call me teacher and Lord. It's a teaching moment. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and here I am washing your feet. I've given you an example to do likewise. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. And what it says to the Lord Jesus when we're not willing to do what Jesus does, he says multiple times to the disciples, the disciple is not greater than the teacher. The servant is not greater than the master. And almost every time he says it, right afterwards, he talks about something hard. He talks about something rough. And what he's saying to the disciples is, if you won't do as I do, it's because you think you're better than. If it's not too good, for Jesus to do, then it shouldn't be too good for his servants to do. If it's not too good for the King of Kings, the Lord of the universe, the one who through it all came in seven days, who rules and reigns in grace. You know, we've got the adulterous woman who's thrown before him by some Pharisees. Jesus says to them, as they just go on and on, he who is without sin among you, be the first to throw a stone. They all walk out. The only one who is able to, according to Jesus' word, throw a stone is left in the room. Jesus, our sinless Lord. And he says, woman, where are those accusers of yours? What great grace. What great mercy. Neither do I condemn you. Pastor's talked about this before. Alan Vincent has talked about this before. What he was doing is he was putting her tab on his credit card. I'll pay for that sin. Later. I'll pay for your mess. Later. take it on it myself. You go. You see the same with Barabbas. You see the same with Barabbas. 
there's Barabbas being made free and Jesus doesn't have any things to say about it because the people are requesting Barabbas. It's like his thought is, go free Barabbas. Let's close. There's great reward awaiting those who obey, those who believe, those who take Jesus at his word. Those who run with Jesus' word, there's great reward. Great reward. Jesus is the reward. We need to know what that means. The kingdom is the reward. And it's all about Jesus. And Jesus is all in all there, through and through. Father, We thank you very, very much for the fact that you have taken us from the miry clay. You've taken us up out of our ash heap, out of our mess. And you've caused us to sit among princes. No, not as it were, politicians and so on and so forth, corporate giants. Maybe you've done that for some believers, but you've caused us to sit down with the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for your great grace, your great grace, and we thank you for the grace that shall be revealed to us in that day when you return. We set our eyes on you, Jesus, and on that day when you shall return. And we thank you, Lord, that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. I ask, Lord, that each one would be zealous for you, Jesus, not zealous without knowledge, but zealous for Jesus, who is our knowledge, not running over people, not stepping on people's feet for no reason, but speaking the truth in love, not being ashamed of the name of Jesus. When we go out, Lord, pray many will stay for the second service rather all we know things coming up father as we go out may we know you cling to you do your will not be ashamed of the name of jesus not going out talking to people about the bible but not the god of the bible the jesus that all of the bible is pointing to not bible thumpers but jesus lovers May we know you, Jesus. And Father, lastly, your word states to us that when the apostle John saw the holy city descending out of God, he saw the 12 apostles' names engraved there on the foundation of the capital of the universe. That day, John saw his name from fishermen, the son of the king saw his name engraved on the capital of the universe. Lord, I pray that we would be hungry to receive commendation from you. You as our all in all, not because we think we're something, but because you deserve it all. We thank you, Jesus, and we love you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to your body. Lord, I pray that the word would find its place in our heart and begin to bring fruit unto righteousness. Is there anyone here this morning that does not know the Lord? You'd like to receive him today. Perhaps he's been tugging on your heart. If he's dealing with you at all, this is the time for you to come forth because you can only come when the Spirit calls. God himself, only God himself can reveal himself. So know that if you're feeling that you should come today, it's the Lord calling you. Amen? Is there anyone here? Okay. So I'm not seeing any hands. But if the Lord is continuing to deal with you, I'm going to be standing here at the conclusion of the service, ready to pray with you, okay? Let's just thank the Lord for what he did among us today. Oh, I'm blessed. I appreciate the message, Pastor Tim. For those that of you that do not know, uh, Pastor Tim leads our young adults, the young reformers, and he also does our university outreaches. Okay, why don't we stand up? We bless each other as we go. And this is the way we do it. For those of you that uh, maybe this is your second or third time, you don't know this. If you would raise your hands. And we do a 360. We turn and we face each other and we repeat this scripture. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious unto you. The Lord lift the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Hallelujah. Until next time.